You ready? Okay. So I, I just need to bring you up to speed of um, what's happened in my life since I've been here. You know, you probably, some of you know, when I left my second son, who's turned 59 now in October, has colon cancer. He went through seven months of treatment and got it in remission. And then it came back. And they, the doctor said, you'll probably be on chemo uh, the rest of your life. And he's been on chemo. And now they've taken three pills away from him. So uh, at this moment, he's in Hayward, Wisconsin, fishing with his brother for the week and then next week they go to Detroit Lake so they have two weeks of fishing. He's caught 600, over 600 muskies catch and release in his life and his brother's ready to catch the first one. <laughs> so there, he's doing really well. He came out and spent two weeks with us in Wyoming and uh, he has a daughter who was born deaf who is a senior in high school and doing really well. She loves geology. So before she went to uh, Yellowstone National Park, she knew more about geysers than the bears, I think. Uh, and then two weeks ago, my brother had a heart attack and he passed away last week. He, was, he would have been 88 this week. Uh, he had a good full life. Had never had a heart condition. For two, the last two years, he had high blood pressure, but that was kind of it. So, uh, so I'm the only one left of three boys, because I was the baby of the family. So that's where life is for me. And uh, when you lose a brother, you look at life a little bit differently. And when you lose somebody, as you all know, when you lose somebody you love, faith has a different awakening in you and uh, and that can be a very very good thing you know so uh, I feel blessed his wife I feel sorry for if you think I'm a type A personality I'm about D or F compared to my brother I think he made every they were married 66 years and I think he made every decision so she's going to have a Tough struggle now. But her daughter lives in town. They live in San Antonio. Uh, I have five children. I can't count all the grandchildren they've got and great-grandchildren. Uh, he was a football coach, and then uh, he got his Ph.D. in special education, and he taught special education uh, at the college the rest of his life. So... Uh, he had a good life. So now we turn to this wonderful theme that we're going to do. Some people have asked, well, what book should I read? What book are we going to be in in the Bible? And I said, probably all of them. <laughs> Our task for the next six weeks, depending upon how well we move through this, we're going to talk about the three big concepts of faith, hope, and love. Um, 
and we're going to spend two weeks on faith and two weeks on hope and two weeks on love. And intermingled with all of that, we will relate to where those happen in the scriptures, so we'll be jumping around. Uh, I thought it might be helpful here in the future to bring a little pen and pencil, pencil because uh, when I quote scriptures, we're not going to have time to look them all up, that you may want to make reference to them to see where they are. So um, that might be helpful for you. And uh, so uh, we get this great theme from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where Paul, after he talks about the marvelous things of love, it's patient and kind and not jealous, doesn't demand its own ways. You know how it goes. And then he says, and these three things go on forever. The word in Greek means eternal. That means, he says, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So when you die, I believe that you get to take every experience that you've had with faith, hope, and love in your life with you to heaven. You don't need a U-Haul uh, for these people that... I don't know what's going on in this country, but every town I go through has more storage sheds, I think, than they have people. It's just amazing, isn't it? It's so much, we have so much junk, you know? It's just, oh, but we can't take it with us. But there is something we can take with us, and I believe that's the experiences that we've had of faith, hope, and love in our relationships and in our studies and in our faith and in our life. Um, when you lose somebody as close as my brother, you begin to think about back about those relationships, don't you? When you lose somebody you love. And uh, relationships is what it's all about. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about how successful you are. It's about how well you have loved. It's about how well your faith has operated for you. It's about how well you have done with hope in your life, pulling you forward for a new future with God. Um, so that's what we're kind of going to tend to pay on to see where we're. And there's other three things that go with faith, hope, and love. That's the past. It's the present, and it's the future. The past we have basically through faith, the future we have through hope, and the presence we have through love. And we'll take some time to discover how all of those are for us, to see what might go on. One of my favorite authors is um, Frederick Beekner, who is a Presbyterian He's an author and a theologian. Uh, he never came to the faith until he was 32 years of age. He lived in New York City, and he was walking down the street, and he heard the music come out of Fourth Presbyterian in New York City, and he was drawn in by the music and the words of the music. And that put him on a journey. And so because he's come late to the faith, he looks at faith with a little different view than some of us. And it's marvelous. 
because he expands my traditional Lutheran business, you know, and makes my faith more exciting and more alive because I believe, as we will talk about in the next two weeks, that faith is, happens and is passed on through caring conversations with mutual people and friends that we have. We get the faith from the story of God. We get the faith through the Holy Spirit. We get the faith through where our parents are. But one of the ways that the faith is most real to us is when we sit down and have conversations with one another. I have to tell you that one of the highlights of my life, now I just think 83 years, man, have I been blessed, is I get to go on Tuesdays to Men's Fellowship where we can talk about our faith and talk about our relationships. And uh, I have this wonderful hobby that I get to go to the dog parks with one of my best friends, my dog, Shanka. Shanka is the Native American name for dog. The dog, I, I've had five German Shepherds. The one I had before was called Kairos, the Greek name for grace. And um, it's just wonderful. I had a conversation the other day, right before I left, with a man who is um, a Jew. And I was sitting there, I think it was the last time I preached here, I took one of my books and uh, I was just, I can't preach and teach without reading, you know. And uh, so I was sitting there reading, the guy asked me what I was reading, and I said, well, I'm, I'm in the Gospel of Luke right here now. And then he says, you know, I'm a Jew and I'm a non-practicing Jew. Tell me about this Luke guy. So for the next three times I went to the dog park, he was sitting on the bench waiting for me. And uh, then the last time I saw him, he said, well, you preached on Sunday. Tell me how it went and what you said. And... Uh, I haven't seen him yet this year. I've only been there, well, I've been here a week, so I've only been there five times, and I haven't seen him yet, but I hope I do. Uh, it's just kind of interesting what God puts in your way, isn't it? When you pay attention and have conversation with people. Um, I think he has the capacity to ask me questions that no one else would ask, you know? Uh, so it's just how God puts people in your place in your life is interesting to see. So I want to read you, uh, this is called the ABCs of uh, Whistling in the Dark. And he defines uh, believing, and I'll re read some of this to you. The New Testament Greek speaks of believing into rather than in. He claims there's a difference between believing into and in. In English, we can perhaps convey the distinction by using in in place, in place of in, we're using into. Believing in God is an intellectual position. It needs to have no more effect on your life than believing in in Freud's method of interpretation, dreams, or Bacon's writing, Romeo and Juliet. 
Believing is something else again. It is less a position than a journey. It's less realization, more it is a relationship. It doesn't leave you cold like believing that the world is round. It stirs you up because the world is a mystery. So we believe into something. We believe into the story. We believe into the person of Jesus to see where he is. So I don't know how you would define such words as trust and faith and believing. But we'll try to discover what those are for us. It's, um, it's a way of life. It's interesting in my journey of faith how when new phrases and new statements and new stories from Scripture and new stories from people's lives come into my life, my life and faith come alive like they never have before. Um, I never discovered the amazing gift of God's grace till I was about 27 years old and entered the seminary. It was like I saw my life with a flashlight and now I get a spotlight. And it happens in uh, carrying conversations with people. Uh, my wife's not here today, but um, I tell this story and she's heard it so many times she's not so sure about it. The first time I took her out to eat with me, was at a restaurant when she was living in St. Paul. And I was in cheese country in Monroe, Wisconsin. We went out to eat and we had a marvelous, and when it came time for dessert, she got up from the other side of the table and walked over and sat beside me and put her hand on my knee and said, I'd like to be your best friend. And for me, that was an unconditional moment of grace. And all of my life, I seemed to look for moments of grace. God unconditionally loves us. And what stirs my faith and strengthens my faith and gives meaning to my life, that whole business of what grace means to us and where it comes. Um, so I look for that in every moment. Yesterday, uh, I was at, uh, this, is, this is one of the things on my bucket list. Now that I get Social Security, I have the right to have a bucket list. So one of the things on my bucket list is that every time you go to the grocery store, you've got to figure out how many kids you can greet. And every time you greet a little child, you look at the mom and dad and they smile at you. 90% of the time, you know? And you wanna get them to smile or I play peekaboo with them or this little girl, <laughs> this little boy, he was about four years old and I, was, I talked to him for about five minutes and I said goodbye to him and he says, can I come with you the rest of the day? 
So I thought that was a moment of grace to see where that all is. Okay, let's go on. So we get images from stories, from stories in Scripture and stories from people's lives, from our reading experience, from our worship experience, from our spiritual experience, from our prayer life. We get images. And images help us to attach to God and to Scripture and to where He is. For example, how many of you don't know the 23rd Psalm? Well, I guess that puts us all not memorized, but you know the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they guide and protect me. Thou anointest my head with oil, surely goodness and mercy shall come to me all the days of my life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I have an image for that. A faith image. You see this aisle? Let's assume that's the valley of the shadow of death. And that, uh, that does weird things to us, doesn't it? Sometimes we're ready to right go down the aisle, and other times we're wondering how it's going to be. And in almost every one of our minds, there's a question how this is going to be. Um, but this is what I see. At the end of this aisle, at the end of the valley, is the one who has already gone through the valley of the shadow of death. His name is Jesus. He stands at the end and he calls me by name. This is what I think when I breathe my last is going to happen. And you may have a different image, but you aren't going to take this one from me. Because I really think this helps me. So he calls me by name. And as we get closer, he says, come on, come home. This is your real home. Where you'll receive peace, joy, life, meaning, relationships that you had in this world, all those kinds of things that you've had. So I told that to my confirmation class. And I said, you guys come up with an image. So the next week, this boy who is 15, whose name was Toby, had spent the summer out here and went through the Grand Canyon. So he said, I've added that to your image this image. I think Jesus is there at the end for me, but there's a great big deep ditch between us. And that ditch got dug out by what we call sin. But God built a bridge. I had nothing to do with the bridge. Jesus Christ built the bridge, and he comes across to get me. And then he says, surprisingly, you know what the bridge is the shape of? A cross. I think that's pretty good for 14. You just need some kind of images 
to keep the story alive for you of where that is. You know, you've been given a faith imagination. It's bigger than the Ten Commandments. You know that, don't you? It's a mystery that's all unsolved. It's God surprising you each day with something new. It's God being a part of your life today and tomorrow and forever. It's that faith that connects you to who God is and what that means for you. There's another image. Um, I like this because I'm reminded of it every time I come to communion. And it's an image that gives me faith. It's a story. Uh, my godmother, I have to tell you about my Aunt Marie. My mother lived to be 99. Her one sister was 98. And Marie, the youngest one, lived to be 103. And she was my godmother. And I think from the baptismal font on, she decided that she had to talk to me about the faith. When my grandma Fisher died and I was eight, uh, she was German, and we had this marvelous German tradition that uh, after the body is embalmed, it comes to the living room of your house for 24 hours, and you have a vigil. Somebody is up with my grandma Fisher in that room all night long. I don't know if you've had this tradition or not. And so... My time was, I got to sit with my Aunt Marie, my godmother, from 4 o'clock in the afternoon till 10 at night. She read to me every story of the resurrection in the New Testament. And she made them all come alive. When I got ordained, she gave me a picture of Jesus and the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And she says, now I want to come and see this hanging in your living room, and I want you to have a 20-minute sermon on this story for me when you come, when I come. <laughs> That's how Marie was. Anyway, the road to Emmaus, you remember the story? The two disciples are on their way to Emmaus with their heads down after Jesus has died on the cross. And... Uh, they're, they're greeted on their way by a stranger. They don't recognize him. Their heads are down. He asks them why they're so sad, and they say, hey, you haven't you heard? Everybody has heard about Jesus, who was to be the Messiah, has died. And then Jesus, who is the stranger on the road with them, tells them the whole story from the beginning of the Old Testament on to that moment. And they get to their destination and they say, why don't you stay and eat with us? It's late. So Jesus stays and eats with them. And at the meal, he takes the bread and he blesses it. And as he breaks the bread, the scales fall off their eyes and they realize it's Jesus. We know Jesus in the breaking of the bread. We know Jesus when we break our lives open and share God's love with others. 
We know Jesus when other people come to us and share forgiveness and love and conversation that matters. It's every time the bread is broken at communion, the scales on my eyes are lifted off and I get to see Jesus in communion in a way I see him nowhere else. I don't go to Holy Communion and come back without my faith being affected. Therefore, the angels and the archangels and the whole company of heaven, we laud and magnify your holy name in the liturgy of Holy Communion. So at this rail, if I stand or kneel, all the people who have ever believed in Jesus are with me. My kids who are thousands of miles away, in the same way that Jesus is in, with, and under the bread and wine, all those people who believe are here. It's a great moment. All the people who I know who have died in the faith and been a part of my life are here as Jesus is here with me. I get that from the story of the road to Emmaus and the liturgy of the Lutheran Church. Therefore, with the angels and the archangels and the whole company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name. So then after I've taken communion, I get to go back. That's the one thing of not having to preside at communion, Greg. You have more time. <laughs> and so I can go back and sit and I do my gratitude list then, my friend. I think about what Jesus has done for me. And I think about what it means to be drawn to the cross and drawn to this person who loves me unconditionally and is with me forever. So that's how my faith stays alive and grows. I have a difficult time anymore if I come to Lutheran worship and I can't have communion every time. I kind of sit and sulk like a two-year-old but it's because it's so important to me. It's so important to my life. And it puts me in connection with all of you. And all the people I've ever known in my life and my faith. There's a whole list of people who have made my life and my faith significant. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, I used to do this on Reformation Sunday when I get home. I get out a piece of paper and a pencil and I go through the list of the people who have taught me the faith and who have influenced me and loved me. It's not a bad exercise sometimes to do. And sometimes it's okay to send a card to them. I remember when Mark Hansen was the bishop of the ELCA, his wife was Elmo Agramson's daughter, 
Elmo was my first bishop and my intern supervisor and one of the five people most influential in my life because he taught me new things about grace and always accepted me. I remember uh, when she came with her husband to the Synod Assembly at our church and I sat with her and started telling the stories of how Elmo had affected my life. And she wrote me the most beautiful letter back. She says, we just don't do enough of this, of telling stories about the people who have taught us the faith and who have made a difference in our life. Because when you know that, that gives you the permission and the power to go and do that to someone else. You're not here by yourself. You're here as a believer because you've surrounded your life with other people. There is no individual Christian, just not one by himself. We are part of a community, and we know that. We just didn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to believe. We've been surrounded with people all our life and the story all our life that shapes us. And we have to be grateful for that. And the other th image that I have that I've had most of my life is from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, um, where uh, Paul begins to talk about the marvelousness and the greatness of God's grace and what that is. And then these words come to us. For you are saved by grace. It's not your own doing but it's a free gift. And I'll tell you the story before we leave today about cats and monkeys that is key to understanding how you are saved by what God does and how faith is a gift. Okay. Now uh, we're going to st steal some of the information from Sunday's text for you. Um, we'll go in the Gospel of Mark now. And let's go to Mark 10. One of the things that we need to do when we understand 1044, one of the things we need to do is to understand how certain stories in the scripture relate to the whole way the scripture was put together. And I'll try to do that for you now. This is the story of Bartimaeus, the blind man. Some suggest to us that this is the model disciple. So when you listen to these words about Bartimaeus, you might want to ask yourself, what makes him the model disciple? Jesus and his followers came into Jericho as Jesus was leaving Jericho, together with his disciples, a sizable crowd, crowd, a blind man named Bartimaeus, Tiberius' son, was sitting beside the road. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, show me mercy. Many scolded him telling him to be quiet. 
but he shouted even louder, Son of David, show me mercy. Jesus stopped and said, Call him forward. They called the blind men. Be encouraged. Get up. He's calling you. Throwing his coat to the side, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Teacher, I want to see. And Jesus said, Listen to these words. Go, your faith has healed you. At once he was able to see. And they began to follow Jesus on the way. This business of seeing has something significant to do about faith. This story is placed right before the entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. This is the last healing event that Jesus does before his passion. It is preceded in chapters 8, 9, and 10 with the three predictions that Jesus gives that I'm going to die on the cross and in three days I'll come back. He tells that three times to the disciples so they understand what's going on. Those three stories are preceded by the healing of a blind man. So here we have the three predictions and we have bookends on each side of a blind man being able to see. I think Mark wants to make sure that we see what's going on. Not just to see the beautiful sunsets, but to see spiritually. You see, I think this blind man had pretty good spiritual insight. Because when he knew that Jesus was coming, that he was the son of David, and he knew that he'd have mercy, and he knew that he could be healed. Does your faith do that for you? Does your faith recognize for you Jesus as the one who has the power to redeem you, to give you new life every day? and to give you eternal life. And that isn't the only place that you get to see in Mark's Gospel. You see, I used to only think that this business of bookends was in the Gospel of John, because it's all over John. But here it is in Mark. Mark 1, 14. Jesus came because he brought the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is present. When Jesus comes, he brings the kingdom with him. So everywhere he is on this earth, the kingdom of God is present. It's like God ripped off a part of the future kingdom, and he placed it in a manger in Bethlehem, and in the person of Jesus. 
So the kingdom is here. Not 24-7, but it's here. And that ends in Mark's gospel when the women come to the tomb and they're all frustrated and it's a boy, an angel, that comes and says, what are you so sad about? Well, haven't you heard? Jesus of Nazareth has been crucified and we thought he was the one to be the Messiah. Oh, don't you remember what he told you in the 14th chapter, the 27th verse of Mark? He says, when I die, I'll come back and go to Galilee, and you go to Galilee and you'll see me. And here in 16, verses 4 through 8, he says to the women at the tomb, you go to Galilee, he will be there ahead of you, and you will see him. So what is Galilee for you? Well, it was Jesus' hometown. It's where he began his ministry. It may be where your faith began. It may be in your hometown where I get to see Jesus. Because he rose from the dead and folks, he's loose. He's loose in the world as a resurrected Christ. And he's out there ahead of you. Have you seen him lately? Have you seen him in the gifts of love someone gave you? Have you seen him in the experience of the forgiveness of sins? Have you seen him giving food to the hungry? Have you seen him in visiting a stranger? I saw him. I wasn't even there. My niece, my brother's daughter, made this gigantic decision that her mother will not have to live the apartment that she can't afford now because she got two of her brothers together with herself and said to her mother, you don't have to leave here. We're going to take care of this for you. And she never dreamed in the world that anybody would do that for her. But you know how it is. You know how it is when somebody comes to you and cares for you and loves you and sets you straight. <laughs> I can't believe I'm still here because I've had so many people be put in my journey to set me straight. <laughs> Sometimes they have to get a railroad tie to get my attention. I don't know if you've been ever like that because you probably don't have any German genes like I inherited. Well, mine is my face gets red. My wife is Norwegian. She locks her bottom jaw when she gets upset and it just quivers. That's what we call the old Adam or the old Eve in us to see where we are. Okay. So you need some images. You need some scripture stories. You need some relationships in your life that give you images that bring your faith and the story of God alive into your life. And that's really fun to do. And then you can do the even more fun thing. You get to share them with other people in your life. 
We pass on the faith by the mutual conversations of the brothers and sisters of the faith. How many times have you heard somebody tell a story about what God has done for their life and there's a part of you that just comes to life, doesn't it? I don't know why sometimes we come to church we don't dance. So many good things have happened to us and for us. But of course, we're Northern Europeans. We have to kind of put the stoic face on when we come to church. God forbid that we could smile and enjoy life. I mean, this is the only one you get, folks. Okay. Okay, where did I stop? Faith is a gift. In the sixth chapter of John, in the bread of life business, um, verse 44, and in the, end, the beginning of the passion story in John, these words come to us twice. Jesus says before he dies, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And in John 6, when there's an argument going on, he says, I will draw all people to myself, and in the end, I will give you the resurrection. I think that's how faith is formed as a gift. Jesus draws us to him to give us faith. Now, I hope this works for you. It took me about three years to figure it out. It's the story of the monkey and the cat. It's how faith is gift. You know what happens when monkeys' little kids get in trouble? The monkey mother comes and turns her back and the monkey leaps onto her back and hangs on. Which means the little baby has something to do about this business of being saved. A cat, when the kittens get in trouble, comes and grabs it by the nab of the neck and takes it away and its paws are screaming and it does nothing and it's saved. Which one of those is the best picture of the gift of faith that God gives us? We'd like to think that it's the monkey because we have something to do with it and participate. But it's the cat. God draws us to himself. He draws us to the cross. And as he draws us to the cross, he gives us everything he has done for us. His dying for our sins. His fulfilling God's promise. His loving us. His being present with us. I have and you have nothing to do with that. That's all the action of God. That's a gift of faith. Now because it's a gift, 
It becomes yours when you unwrap it and participate with it. But you don't do anything to get it. It is given to you. It is given to you in the person of Jesus Christ in the clearest place on the cross. So you go to the cross and you are so overwhelmed with this unconditional love, this God keeping all of his promises, this God of taking your sins and moving as far as the east is from the west and giving you the gift of eternal life. It's a gift. That's what grace is. It's a gift. And you have to respond to the gift. You respond to the gift by believing. By participating in the forgiveness of sins as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me as we ask to have our sins forgiven as we forgive the sins of others. As we participate in taking this amazing gift of love and sharing it with others. Of reaching out to the poor. As the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel says, and Jesus says, I saw you. Where did we see you? Well, when you were hungry, I gave you something to eat. When you were a stranger, I welcomed you. You were in prison, I visited you. And Jesus says, whenever you have done this to the least of the brothers and sisters, you have done it to me. That's how you participate in the faith by what you do with others. So, um, on, uh, I had my uh, email put on the webpage. So if you have any questions, if anything that's raised, and you want us to talk about them next time, you just email me at schooney, S-C-H-O-O-N-I-E, at Silverstar, the Bethlehem Star, Silverstar.com. So if you've got any of these questions that aren't clear to you or you want to talk about, and I'm going to talk about the monkey and the cat next week, and you have to figure out when you come back how much of that story you got, 100% or 50%, or you think the preacher's out to the woods. <laughs> and he doesn't know what he's talking about. But it's important, I think, for us to understand that it's what God gives us. What did you do to get Jesus to die on the cross for you? How did you get your life? It was a gift given to you, wasn't it? And isn't the gift of love you receive from people every day a free gift to you too? And isn't the forgiveness of sins a free gift for you? And isn't the courage, my favorite quote from David Buttrick, one of my mentors in my life, is that your prayer every day should be, give me steel in my spine so I have the courage to believe this great mystery. Give me steel in my spine. When I got the COVID, I have a friend of mine 
Um, and you, don't, you just need to know that we are at the opposite ends of the political spectrum in America today. So we don't have lots in common. But we respect each other. And he's a wonderful guy. He unloads the food pantry semi every week at the food pantry in Thane. It started in the closet in our church. And now it has a half a building in town. And he's, uh, he started the VFW, which wasn't there. And he's just is a wonderful guy. Um, he sent me a card when I had the COVID. And he said, now for the first time I get to preach to you, Scooney. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about the COVID you have and how it's going as you're in the hospital. And I want you to know that some preacher told me that what you need in times like this is steel in your spine. So get your head out of the sand and turn to God. So that's where that is. So, um, anybody have any questions? You don't have to push, you don't have comments. Go ahead. Just, just wait till he gets there. Pastor Al, I just have a question because I can't remember your answer last time. The difference between angels and archangels. I don't know why this is so important to me, but and I don't remember, and you explained it so well last time. This time I'm going to write it down. Thank you. Yeah, but this time he the pastor doesn't remember. See, when you get over 80, some days you remember and sometimes you don't remember. Well, that's your question for next week. So you, you can find the answer between now and next I'll week. I'll bring it back next week, but thank you for asking. Anyone else? When there's no questions or comments, I either think I've done it so well that there isn't any, or you don't have a clue what I said. You did it well. You did it well. Just a second. Give me steel in my spine, and what was the rest of that? Did I what? When you said, give me steel in my spine, what was the rest of that? Oh, for, give me steel in my spine, give me courage, so I can believe and stand up for the faith. I guess I'm confused because when you say God or Jesus gave us the faith, I thought it was the Holy Spirit that was in within us. That well, thank you for reminding me of the Spirit because it is there, you know. We say in the, the best part of Luther's catechism, for me, isn't the Ten Commandments. It's the creed and the definitions of the creed. That doesn't mean I don't think the Ten Commandments are important. But in the third article of the creed, it says, I, I know this answer because when uh, I was confirmed, we had this 
catechetical instruction Sunday that we sat up in front here for one hour on chairs facing the whole congregation with the pastor standing here and asking questions. And the first question was, I don't even think I could have said my name. I was so nervous. But I remember he asked me the definition of the third article of creed. And it is, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ. I can't do that. But the Holy Spirit calls me through the gospel, enlightens me, sanctifies me, which says day by day, I get more and more of this. So, um, yeah, when I talk about God, I assume we're always talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I shouldn't do that, you know. Uh, maybe this will be a good topic <clears throat> for next week. Um, when I read Paul throughout all of his books, I, I guess cat, okay, the gift is given. If you're raised in the Lutheran church, Martin Luther, the gift is given. It's just pounded into you. And so when I hear you say monkey, I think of James, where there's uh, work involved. In other words, it's not by the gift alone. And didn't Paul write James? So. No, uh, he didn't. Okay. But it, Thank you for that. But I got to tell you this story. It's... Um, my daughter, who's 50, is a recovering alcoholic. She is the most spiritual of all my children. And it's maybe a different kind of spirituality, but it's real for her. So she goes from her home in Oregon, Wisconsin, every Saturday morning over to Stoughton, Wisconsin. It takes her about 22 minutes. She gets in the car. She dials up my number, and we have a rundown on how she is doing with her, how she's doing with her life and faith. Well, one of the other days, well, she's just got a new job, and she's so excited. She's director of the youth program for the kids in Oregon, and she just loves it to see where it is, and it's a great step for her because she's lived in her little cocoons all of her life, and and thank God for AA because she's come out of it. And uh, so we're talking about this and we're talking about faith. And I said, you know, you have to live that out. Well, yeah, it's in the big book. Faith that isn't works is dead. Well, I says, that's in the book of James, too. She says, well, that's nice, but it's in my big book. <laughs> <laughs> so where we get it, it doesn't matter. But we, were, we will talk about faith, active, and love next time. James is one of the things I'm going to talk about. Any other questions? Comments? Just for a show of hands, how many of you think you understand the monkey and cat business? Okay. First time I heard it, I just walked away and shook my head but I respected the professor that gave it to me that I had to think and pray about it, you know? Okay. Before you come next week, if you just want something to read that we'll cover, 
Read the fourth chapter of John with the woman at the well and try to figure out for me what happens to her and what faith does to her. Okay? Let's have um, a little word of prayer. Jesus, you come to us in so many ways, but the clearest and most important way is your death on the cross. We are reminded so clearly for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world not to be its judge but to be its savior. You are a gift to us. Help us see the gift. Help us see the gift of faith. Help us see the gift of one another. Help us participate in this gift as we walk on our journey sharing the love of Christ with others. All of this we ask in the name of Jesus who said, this is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for coming. It's good to see you all. So if they ask you which book of the Bible you're studying, you just say, we're doing the whole Bible. <laughs>